0: Welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media. We provide business professionals with insights and ideas for protecting their people from the vast array of threats facing organizations today. Each week, you'll hear advice and best practices from an experienced safety leader. Here's your host, Peter Steinfeld. As a listener of the Employee Safety Podcast, You know that the safety and security industry places heavy emphasis on crisis response, preparedness plans, and trainings. That recipe is effective, but there's another key ingredient that can help prevent emergencies from happening, and that's situational awareness. Today's guest is Colonel Brian Searcy. Brian is the founder and president of Paradis Group, a comprehensive training facility that works with all kinds of organizations. A former Vice Wing Commander for the United States Air Force, Brian took the principles and abilities he learned in the service and crafted a program designed to proactively prevent incidents through situational awareness. In this episode, Brian unpacks the core principles of situational awareness and how to apply them in both your organization and everyday life. Brian, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your background and what inspired you to launch Paratus Group?
1: Well, absolutely, And I retired from the Air Force in 2010, was a wing commander, retired Air Force colonel, And I spent some time doing what a lot of retired senior officers do, and I worked for a defense contractor and realized that wasn't for me. My wife hit the nail on the head and realized that I really needed a mission going forward, and also that I was never going to be the kind of person that retires. About four and a half, five years ago, after the shooting in Florida, I had the opportunity to sit down with about 14 or 15 other retired military and law enforcement, and we realized that for years, all we've been doing for an active shooter situation is dealing with the symptoms. We weren't addressing the problems. So we put together a comprehensive active shooter program, and I developed a micro-e-learning program to allow people to establish habits, behaviors, and a mindset. So it's something that they practice on a regular basis, again, with a goal to prevent those active shooter events from happening. As I was doing research and learning more about active shooter, I read a number of articles and, and some reports by the FBI and the Secret Service that said over 93% of all the threats we face today can be prevented if people see it. Know what the threats are, but then more importantly, they know what to do about it. And a light bulb went off in my head, and I said, This micro e learning program that I've developed can do just that. And then it became clear to me in 2019 that it didn't just apply to active shooter, it applied to all the threats that we face in our communities from suicide to sexual assault to rape to cyber. When people learn and develop the habits, behaviors, and mindsets that go along with situational awareness, they're then empowered to be able to see these threats. But because we teach them a process and they think about what actions to take, they also know what to do about it. So they make a decision and act. And that's how we prevent the bad things from happening.
0: Well, in your own words, what is situational awareness and what problem does it solve specifically?
1: Well, so situational awareness is actually a God-given gift that we all have. Unfortunately, and this isn't my statistic, even though I would say it's even higher than this number, but the Harvard Business Review came out with a report that said less than one in seven people actually use and practice situational awareness. Now, like I said, it's a God-given gift, but about 35, 40 years ago, parents stopped teaching it to their kids. So when their kids grew up, they really didn't know what situational awareness was, so they didn't know how to apply it. And situational awareness isn't just something that's on paper. It's actually something that you have to learn and be able to practice it. You have to learn how to be perceptive, to identify and analyze situations, to know and learn what normal is. And then you have to have a process that you use that allows you to use that hair of the back of the neck or that gut feeling that we get, that fight or flight that people may or may not have experienced, and then take action on it. And there's a lot of things that go into that, but it's not just knowing what's going on around you. It's the ability to analyze, identify, make decisions, and then take actions.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. And it's something that really should be taught at a young age. I was fortunate to have some martial arts training when I was 11 or 12 years old. There was a, a lady, she was the karate champion of Hawaii at the time. Now, this is back in the you know 70s, early 80s. And she said, two things I want you to walk away from this class with. One, always be aware of what's going on around you. Know when you need to cross the street. Know when you need to avoid people. And two, have a stare. <laughs> So you can really make eye contact with someone and, and show them that you are not someone to be messed with.
1: Right. And that's actually one of the things we teach in our program is when you are prepared and you put off that persona that you know how to take responsibility for your own safety, you're much less likely to be that victim. That's exactly right. Well, you mentioned it
0: before. A lot of people confuse situational awareness with just being aware of active shooter scenarios. And it's so much more than that. So you started to mention a few of those. Can you dig a little bit deeper there?
1: Yeah, so there are so many threats that we face in our society today from, like I said, from rape to sexual assault to cyber to suicide to bullying. And unfortunately, the the list can go on. In our survey at at the beginning of the program that we have, our, our first responder program, there's a question and it asks, have you or anybody in your family been exposed to one of these eight threats, some of which are the ones I just talked about? And 92% of the respondents have said that they themselves or somebody very close to their family has had to experience one of those threats. And that's so scary today. And to go back to your comment about, you know, you learn situation awareness in martial arts and that it should be taught and it should be learned when, when our kids are young. See, that's what's not happening anymore. Parents are supposed to teach this. And then when parents weren't doing it, schools thought that they could do it, but teachers don't have time to do it. We are actually at a point today where I just talked to a vice president of HR who said that when they get college graduates now, those college graduates don't have this critical skill or the 10 personal skills that we teach in our program, so they're having to teach that the, this skill to new employees so that they can be successful. Yeah, it's super important. How is
0: situational awareness developed? Is it similar to traditional incident response training, or is it much different?
1: No, it, it is much different. And it was actually one of my frustrations when we would do the active shooter training because that's traditional type training. And there's a number of things that go into play with that. Traditional training and doesn't work other than to introduce concepts to people. When you have traditional training, there's two key things that that go into that that talk about and illustrate why it doesn't work. The first one is the forgetting curve. What that means is that if I give you the best training in the world, within a week, you're going to forget 95 to 98% of what I told you. So it doesn't do any good. The second part is it takes 21 days to establish a new habit and 90 days to establish new behaviors. That's why most people fail with their New Year's resolutions. So that's why our program, well, it's a year-long program, but the beginning of the program is 90 days where we use micro e-learning So people practice their process and they learn and develop those habits, the behaviors and the mindset so that it's something that they use on a continual basis. So we we get rid of the forgetting curve. We empower the the 2190 rule. And what we really do is we defeat Einstein's definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, which when it comes to dealing with these threats that are out there and the problems in our communities, that's what we've been doing.
0: And when you talk about micro e learning, can you give just a quick example of that? How long is a micro e learning session and what does it entail? With our
1: program, it usually starts with a live introduction to what is situational awareness, what are the threats we face, what are the 10 critical skills that you have to learn and develop, and then how do you go about learning and developing these habits, behaviors, and a mindset? Like I said, that's about an hour. And then people enroll in our learning management system, or we can ride our program on their learning management system. And then they get content Monday, Wednesday, and Friday that's no more than three or four minutes. So it's not taking a lot of time out of their day, but we're talking about and reinforcing what we introduced at the beginning. And then on Tuesday, Thursday, they get another video or an email that is relating the development of situational awareness to the real-world threats that we face today. And that's one of the things that makes our program so powerful, that over that 90 days, that content is going to resonate with somebody. See, a lot of people, they have the hope as a strategy and they don't care about active shooter or they don't care about human trafficking, but they had somebody in their family that attempted suicide or committed suicide. And then we talk about how do you prevent suicide? And now all of a sudden it resonates with them. They start re-engaging with the program. So that's why at the end of that first 90 days, we have a very, very high success rate of people that complete the program and, and in their exit survey say, that they've now developed situation awareness and understand how to practice it.
0: Yeah. Spaced repetition is so important, but I think you mentioned the key there is that you have to give someone the why behind it. And oftentimes the why is different for different people. You have to find that that meaningful connection to make them go, ah, now I see why I need to care about this.
1: Well, and I love the way that you just put that. And that's one of the reasons we have as one of our 10 critical skills, the skill of, of understanding and knowing that other people have different perspectives. So it doesn't just apply when you're having conversations with people with the ability not to escalate situations and how to de-escalate situations, but because people have different perspectives, backgrounds, experiences, it's the why, It's it's what's important to them that then they see the big picture, but it's not until you open that up to them that they grasp that.
0: Yeah, there's no one size fits all. Are there some other of those 10 critical personal skills you can reveal to the audience here?
1: The first one we always talk about is that first part of being self-aware. And most people, when they think of situational awareness, and I think you mentioned it a a few minutes ago, it's you know being perceptive and knowing what's going on around you. But really, we look at it and we we share with people that there's actually three parts to being self-aware. The first one is that knowing what's going on around you. The second part is knowing what you're capable of doing. See, that's also to us at the Paradis Group, another failing of traditional type training, where they'll Come out with a couple different scenarios and say, if this ever happens, this is what you should do. Well, first off, the scenario that you face in real life is never going to be the same as that scenario that you practiced. Number two, if you don't have the ability to do what they're telling you to do, they've just set you up for failure because you'll go, well, they told me to do this and I can't do this. Now I have no idea what to do. So you're frozen. You panic. You don't know what to do. So in our programs, one of the key things we do is to get people to think critically themselves about what they're capable of doing. And then as they think about what their actions might be, they base it on their capabilities. And then we say, if there's something that you want to be able to do that you can't right now, then go get that additional training. For example, you said you learned and trained with martial arts. So if you want to be able to defend yourself or your family, maybe that's what you go do. You, you go take some martial arts to empower you to be able to do that. And then the third part of being self-aware is to know that your words and your actions will have impact on other people. It can be hurtful. It can be bullying. It can escalate a situation. Or when you practice verbal jujitsu and you learn how to de-escalate a situation, you can keep things from getting out of control. And then the other one I'd briefly like just to just talk about is active listening. You can't be good at situation awareness if you're not a good active listener. And if you have ever been in a conversation with somebody and you can tell as you're halfway through your point that they're not listening to you anymore. They've decided that they know exactly what you're going to say, and they're just waiting to respond. That's what so many people do today. But you can't de-escalate a situation. You can't fully understand what the situation is. You can't interact with other people unless you you learn and develop that critical skill of active listening. Yeah,
0: you've got to be engaged and sit on the same side of the table as the person that you're working with.
1: Absolutely. Don't- and that's that's just so critical. But then I I do want to mention that these 10 critical skills all tie together. If you're not good at one or two of those, that's what you need to work on so that as you tie all this together for your situation awareness and to be quite honest, to be successful in life and to be a contributor to our communities, you have to have these these 10 skills. And as I said, when I talked to that vice president for HR, it was very, very clear that most of of our college graduates today don't have situation awareness and they don't have these 10 critical skills. Well,
0: a lot of people listen to this show in the context of how they can help their organizations as a whole. So with that in mind, how does situational awareness shape organizational culture and then play out in day-to-day interactions?
1: Most of the time when you when you talk and think about situational awareness, it's all about that threat that is out there. So that is one of the key things that it does. But situational awareness also does two other things. When you have really good and well-developed situation awareness, when you're perceptive, when you have thought through actions that you can take to help other people, when you have empathy and humility, when you see people that have indicators potentially of anxiety or depression, or you have somebody that maybe is having suicidal tendencies, and you can recognize those. A lot of people see those things, but then they don't know what to do about it because they haven't empowered themselves to know what to do. And because they're not self-aware, they think, "Well, I can handle this when really, maybe they should talk to somebody else to to interact with that person. So that's one key part of it is our ability to really solve problems and keep and really help and affect the mental health piece. Today, three out of four employees in businesses in surveys have said that they have anxiety, depression, and fear, and that dramatically affects their job performance. So when people have situation awareness, when they can help other people, when they're prepared instead of worrying, it dramatically improves their ability at the, the, and the overall culture of the company. And then the final thing that I always talk about, especially in the, in the business culture, is that without situation awareness and without the development of these 10 critical skills, managers fail 100% of the time. What situation awareness and the development of these 10 critical skills allow people to do is to not be managers, but to be leaders, to look for those learning opportunities, to realize what is important is to take care of their people, make sure their people have the necessary tools to be successful, and then help guide them to be successful. Because what I say all the time today, because managers don't have these skills, is that companies are overmanaged and underled. when. Everybody in the organization understands situation awareness, the ten critical skills, and then they practice it on a regular basis. We turn that upside down, and the company is well led, and they manage processes and not people.
0: I love that phrase that, that generally speaking, organizations tend to overmanage and underlead because it's really true, and they're very fundamentally different things. And I'd like to take that back to what you talked about with mental health awareness because I think that is a big issue. Like everything sees the obvious physical things, fires active shooters, things like that, but we ignore mental health because it's really uncomfortable to talk about. And like you said, nobody knows what to do. So what's like one or two pieces of advice you would offer an organization to enhance or create a culture where people feel
1: comfortable noticing those things and sharing them? Well, first and foremost, you've got to stop doing traditional training. When I was in the Air Force, when I retired in 2010 as a colonel, that was the 10th year in a row that I had the same computer-based training on ethics. So First off, I'll say that there's no way that a one-hour training is going to teach me or empower me to make, to make ethical decisions. That is, you have to develop those habits, those behaviors, and it has to be something that you do on a regular basis. But it was also 10 years old. So you've got to get rid of that traditional training. Leaders truly need to learn situation awareness. And then when they do that, and then they push that the skill down to all of the employees, that's where they truly make a difference that's what the integral piece is. But without situational awareness and without a program that allows for the development of the habits and behaviors, again, get rid of Einstein's definition of insanity and allow the development of the habits and behaviors. That's how you make a difference. Now, businesses don't necessarily want to hear that because they just want to pay that one-time fee, get it over with, check the box. But then what ends up happening is we have three out of four employees that have anxiety, depression, that their workload goes down, that there are sexual harassment claims in the workplace. There are potential suicides that could happen. See, all of these things, when there's well developed situation awareness that runs throughout the entire organization, that's what makes a difference.
0: Yeah, I always say when it comes to safety and mental health awareness and things like that, there's a double benefit. Clearly, there's a benefit to the employee when you focus on it. But if you're helping the employee, there's a residual or trickle down benefit to the organization because now you have a much more productive and engaged employee.
1: So as a leader, if you have situational awareness and you have these 10 critical skills, but your employees don't have situational awareness and they don't have those 10 critical skills, if they don't know how to actively listen, if they're not perceptive, if they can't appreciate that you have a different perspective, if they don't know how to communicate, if they can't make decisions, the leaders having those skills do no good because the information will go down and it stops right there. They don't know how to absorb that information. They don't know how to use that information. And- then when they interact with the clients, they are not successful because they don't have those skills. So it's a big circle problem that we need to change.
0: Well, could you share a real world scenario where you applied situational awareness to act and prevent something bad from happening?
1: I have done it so many times and I've also used the empathy that's part of situational awareness to help other people stop at traffic accidents and those types of things. But what I would really like to do is share a story from somebody that was one of our employees that came on board as our sales manager. And when he came on board, he had never learned or developed situation awareness. So his eyes were opened as to what the threats are that are out there, what the 10 critical skills are, and about how you have to put a little bit of time and practice in with your process to learn and develop situation awareness. So over a period of time, that's exactly what he did. But then what he did is took what we have in our program for families is we empower parents to use contagious behavior to be able to make sure that their kids learn and develop this skill. So he started making sure that his, his daughters learned and developed situation awareness, that they understood what the hair on the back of the neck or that gut feeling is. And then if you ever get that, you have to do something about it. You have to overcome the normalcy bias that most people attuned to today where they rationalize that it's not as bad as I think it is, or it's not really a threat. So we teach in our program, if you have ever get that, you have to act on it. So after he had spent some time instilling this in his daughters, his 16-year-old daughter was driving home from school 10 o'clock at night and was sideswiped. And the car that sideswiped her pulled in front of her and turned down a dead-end 200-foot road that was pitch black at the end. And her dad had always taught her, which most new drivers and all drivers are supposed to do, if you get into an accident, you're supposed to stop and share share your insurance information. Well, she got that hair on the back of the neck and that gut feeling that said, this doesn't feel right. And instead of driving down that 200-foot pitch black dark road, she drove home. The next morning, her dad came out and saw the damage to the car and and asked her about it. And she was nervous because she didn't exchange information but she shared exactly what i just said that she got sideswiped this is what they did i got this feeling that this you know this isn't right so i just drove home and when he tells a story he tears up because he felt blessed that he had been able to share that with his daughter to keep her from potentially being a victim and th- we get stories like that all the time there's people that are most people today like i said if you remember i said less than 1 in 7 people have this skill when people go through our program and learn and develop the habits and the behaviors, that's when they start to see all the stuff that's going on out there. And that's when they make decisions to make sure that they don't put themselves, they don't put their families into situations where they can be victims. And that's a key part of what we introduce is so many different things that you can do with your life to keep from being a, putting yourself or your family into a situation where you, they can be a victim.
0: That's a fantastic story. And I think One of the number one reasons that people don't want to say anything or they go along with what they think is the right thing to do, like the guy who sideswiped that car knew that human nature is, oh, I'll go along and I'll follow the rule. I'm embarrassed to do something that's outside of the norm. It's that feeling of embarrassment. How do you help people get over that feeling so they will do basically following that hair on the neck feeling that they're having and not feel embarrassed about it?
1: Well, a big part of it is that they become empowered to really make a difference, not only in their with their own safety, mental health, and ability to be a good parent, a good leader of a company, a good spouse, but it's knowing that worry is not the same as preparation. See, we have so many people in society today that are worry warts, that are worrying and thinking about what that worst situation is and trying to plan for that. Well, when you have a situation awareness, habits, behaviors, and mindsets, and you are consistently thinking about what you would do if something bad happens, then you're in a state of preparation and you're calm. And then you are prepared if something is introduced into your environment to do something about it. So it gets rid of anxiety, depression, all of those things that are out there. But as as leaders of companies or parents, when we know that we're taking care of our people, that also dramatically gives us the knowledge that we're doing the right thing two of the skills that we teach are empathy and humility. You may, as a, if you're a martial artist, know the quote from Bruce Lee, where he says he's much rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And the last thing he ever wanted to do was to use the tools that he learned and developed. He would, as a matter of fact, because using his humility would do everything he could to stay out of a confrontation to be able to de-escalate situations. But because he was prepared, and had humility and empathy, he was prepared to help out others in his community. And that's how it all ties together.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's hope for the best and prepare for
1: the worst. Exactly. And see, all too often, well, most people today think hope is a strategy and hope is not a strategy in anything that we do.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brian. Really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you very much for taking the time to have me on. I appreciate
0: it. Where can our listeners connect with you or find out more about the Paratus Group?
1: www.paratus.group, or they can reach out directly to me at brian.paratus.group.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks for being with us for another episode of the Employee Safety Podcast. Please subscribe and follow the show to get the latest advice and best practices for employee safety. And don't forget to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com.
1: Until next time.